I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. It's Thursday, so this is an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for downloading, and I hope you enjoy our show. This article was first published on August 26th of 2012 under the headline, Schemers Sought to Seize Peter Iredale's Shipwreck, Sell for Scrap. Here we go. In early 2012, a big section of a Japanese harbor dock that had drifted across the Pacific Ocean was removed at considerable expense from the beach near Newport. The state government had gotten itself into something of a lather over the dock, as it also did several years ago with the wreckage of the freighter New Carissa. The government wanted that stuff off the beach immediately, if not sooner, and was willing to go to great lengths and spend lots of money to get that done. That hasn't always been Oregon's official attitude, though. There was a time when Oregon state and local governments took the opposite approach. It has happened in a somewhat comic squabble in 1960 over salvage rights to the wreckage of the Peter Iredale. The Peter Iredale, of course, is still there, so you know how the story ends. The wreckage has been a highlight of the northern Oregon coast for more than a hundred years. It first appeared there on a foggy late October morning in 1906. The 287-foot steel-hulled four-masted bark Peter Iredale was running before the usual southwest wind making for the mouth of the Columbia River when a sudden squall roared out of the northwest, driving the ship straight up onto the beach on Clatsop Spit. What followed was, as author Don Marshall describes it, the most singularly unexciting shipwreck scenario in maritime history. The crew members were all uneventfully evacuated with a breeches buoy, which was essentially a zip line. But had they waited a few hours until low tide, they could have all walked ashore. Of course, a 2,000-ton sailing ship parked on the beach is something you don't see every day. So there was a good deal of excitement on shore. Local school children were released early for the day so that they could go check it out. A local railroad operator started making plans for a special excursion train. And photographers, both professional and amateur, started making images of the Peter Iredale which has been called, with some justification, the most photographed shipwreck in the world. It's also quite possibly the most long-lasting shipwreck in the world. In part, that's because of geology. After the ship grounded, of course, it was firmly stuck on the beach, but beaches change. Sometimes the wind and currents wear them away, and other times they grow. In the case of Clatsop Spit, the beach was growing. Over the years, more and more sand accumulated around the wreck until it was high and dry most of the time. This made it more popular than ever. Tourists posed on its decks, explored its depths. As time and weather and salt spray eroded away its hull, a ladder-like structure of rusty steel remained for children to climb and play on. The Peter Iredale quickly became counted among the state's great treasures, a real picturesque shipwreck that you could walk around and photograph and imagine as a setting for maritime adventures, ghost stories. The growth of the beach sands changed some other things as well, though. A ship stuck fast on a beach in six feet of water with West Coast surf breaking around it is a hopeless proposition for scrap salvage. But 
a ship stuck on a dry beach as a two-week easy-money job. Couple that with the fact that unsalvageable wrecks were frequently sold to suckers for small amounts of money in the aftermath of incidents like this, and you have a recipe for, well, for what happened next. On June 2, 1960, a Clackamas County man named Cliff Hendricks notified the Oregon Highway Department, which was in charge of beaches at the time, that he was the owner of the wreck, having inherited it from his father, and he intended to start salvage operations immediately. Anyone who remembers the state government's angry determination to get every last vestige of the new Carissa off the Waldport and Coos Bay beaches will likely find the state's response to Hendricks' letter ironic and amusing. It started with a Clatsop County judge who, after threatening to throw Hendricks in jail if he tried anything of the kind, alerted the city of Warrenton. The growth of Clatsop spit in the intervening half-century had, the city claimed, put the wreck inside city limits. Local newspapers picked up the story, and the public got very excited. Astoria newspaper editor Fred Andrus settled everyone down by spending an afternoon at the county courthouse examining all the records for 1908, the year Hendricks said his father had bought the wreck for $25. There was no trace. But then, after everyone had settled down and breathed a sigh of relief, a county records clerk found the record. It had sold in 1917, not 1908. Things started heating up. An offer came in from the, quote, Oregon Coast Ad Club, which wanted to buy the wreck and make it part of Lincoln County's 20 Miracle Miles Tourism Project. You may remember the 20 Miracle Miles Project as the one that the governor, Tom McCall, of course, famously lampooned as the 20 Miserable Miles. But back to our story. Hendrick's attorney suggested that his client might be inclined to donate this wreck to Clackamas County, where it could be arranged in the parking lot in front of the courthouse in Oregon City. If you've ever seen the courthouse in Oregon City, you'll probably suspect, as I do, that this was intended as a joke. The people of Clatsop County, of course, viewed all these schemes as a form of piracy, though. Various governments were taking hard lines as well. The State Parks Department cited the potential for harm to state-owned property around the wreck. The city of Warrenton asserted its jurisdiction, again, and told Hendricks to get lost. Editor Andrus pointed out that if Hendricks did in fact own the ship, he also owned five decades' worth of property taxes on it. Of course, because it wasn't real estate, that probably was not accurate. But it was a good talking point. And attorneys for the highway department started looking into abandoned property laws. By June 5th, the wreck was being watched 24 hours a day by guards with machine guns. But, just as everything seemed to be building to some kind of horrible climax, the Clatsop County Records clerk, the one who found Hendricks' record of purchase, found something else. It seemed the elder Hendricks had, 72 hours after buying the Peter Iredale, sold the wreck for $325, an annualized return of 85,166% on his $25 initial investment. Hendricks, it now appeared, had no claim on the wreck at all. It's pretty hard to imagine how this could possibly have been an innocent misunderstanding. Nevertheless, nobody seems to have pursued it, apparently because it was such a relief that Oregon's only visible and visitable shipwreck was safe. The Peter Iredale remains Oregon's only visible shipwreck to this day, excluding, of course, small bits like the boiler of the J. Marhofer in Boiler Bay, and also the occasional wreckage of wooden ships that from time to time emerge from eroding beach sand. And given the attitude of state government during the new Carissa tobacco, it doesn't seem likely that that will change anytime soon. Key sources in this article have included works by Don Marshall and iredale.de. 
Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. What you've been listening to is one of more than 550 stories originally created and published as newspaper columns in first-run syndication between 2008 and today. You can read them all at offbeatoregon.com. Offbeat Oregon is a division of Pulplet Productions, pulp-lit.com, a boutique publishing house owned and operated by yours truly, specializing in audiobook and multimedia editions of the work of the classic pre-war pulp writers. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license type CC by SA 4.0, which basically means you can do anything with the content you like, so long as you A, give me credit for it, and B, whatever you make is also released under a Creative Commons license. But if you need a waiver to either A or B, hit me up, fj at offbeatoregon.com. I've never said no yet to a request for a waiver of one of those conditions. They're generally there just to prevent me from accidentally authorizing the reuse of something I don't actually control the rights to. A good example might be a photograph used by special permission of the rights holder. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Questions, critiques, ideas for a future episode? Email me at fj at offbeatoregon.com. Episodes of Offbeat Oregon History are uploaded around 6 a.m. every single weekday, so the next one will be on your device and ready to go before you know it. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. (laughs) ¶¶